Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and for some reason, this is Bring Your Son to Work Day, which is just spectacular. I want to say thanks to David and Jackson Miles for being here. And now I've been very excited for this uh, this moment to occur because uh, Dr. Eric Tonis is joining me with his son, Isaac. And uh, Eric sent his, uh, I think his brother-in-law, uh, an email. and But it's, it came to me accidentally, and I learned all about his son, uh, Isaac, who's a, a tennis, a competitive wheelchair tennis player. And I just fell in love with the story and being a tennis player myself. And Ryan, who's producing for me today, is a tennis player as well. And so there's a lot of people interested in tennis. And uh, so this is going to be a great opportunity to meet an exceptional young man named Isaac. And he's here with his dad, Eric. Hello, both of you. Hi. Hi, Bill. Good to be with you. I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, so nice to to meet you. Because uh, uh, I've been looking forward to this for the longest time, Isaac. And I just so you know, I've already possibly got a two million dollar deal signed for you uh, with a, a, a toothpaste um, manufacturer because of this million dollar smile you have. So that's the good news. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Eric, you're, you'll be on Easy Street after this thing comes through. Yeah, thanks. Well, I didn't know that was part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, well, you sent me, I got a couple of pictures of Eric, and I thought, okay, here's a guy with the, the most winning smile I've ever seen. And he's sitting there uh, uh, just having just got done competing, and I thought, wow, I just, I, I don't know, I was so moved. So it was really, really great to, to see that picture and to have you accidentally send me an email that you didn't intend to send to me. Yeah, I love that. I meant to send it to my brother-in-law, Bill Ashton, and <laughs> I sent it to Bill Arnold. And you are my brother in Christ, but yeah, I didn't intend to send it to you. But I'm really glad I did because I was so thankful for the way you were encouraged by a little glimpse of Isaac's story. We were at a tournament in Indian Wells where he was playing wheelchair tennis and sent you sent some pictures to the family and you got included, thankfully, by the by the sovereignty of God, yeah. and we're encouraged by that. I love the way that played out, even that weekend in your life, the way that went down. Well, you know, I will mention, because I when I saw Isaac's picture, and I saw the joy that I could see in his, in his heart and in his eyes, and I thought, you know, being a tennis player myself, uh, you know, I just felt this instant connection with him and his love for the sport and my love for the sport, and uh, and then I had this this kind of renewed sensitivity for someone who is a young man in a wheelchair. And I went to church that Sunday and I'm seeing a young, another young man in a wheelchair. And it was after the service. And I thought, I I have to go talk to him. I just, I just had to go introduce myself. And I did. And we were chatting and he was telling me his great plans for his life and his vision for his life. And it was very exciting. And I said, uh, so uh, what is your name? He said, Isaac. I said, wow, that's two Isaacs in four hours who are under age 20 that are in a wheelchair. Wow. 
Yeah, I love how God orchestrates things like this to just give us perspective in life at times where when he knows we need it. Yeah. Think about things we otherwise wouldn't in our normal routine. And, and and so it's great. You know, when you when you go through life with disabilities like Isaac does, it it gives you a completely different lens on what difficult is. We have a friend who played professional basketball in Germany and his career ended with an ankle injury and he had a surgery that didn't go well. And he was really discouraged and feeling super depressed about it. And, you know, Isaac uh, is, he has one foot and he was talking to our friend and completely sympathetically said, he looked at. Oops. I think you'll be back. You went away for a second. There you are. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, did, how much of the, that got cut off? Well, I, I last heard that he has one foot. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Isaac has one foot and played professional in Germany. He hurt his ankle playing professional basketball and it, the surgery didn't go well. And so he had to retire from playing basketball and he was really discouraged about that and sad and depressed. And then he was talking to Isaac about it. And Isaac looked at his foot and he said, I think you have a wonderful foot, Andre, because <laughs> he has one. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really good perspective check. So Isaac, how how did you how did you end up in a wheelchair? Well, I um my coach always taught wheelchair tennis and I I have a weak hip and so sometimes I fall a lot. Okay. And so my coach said, Hey, there's a wheelchair that might help you. And so my coach got me into it and it was hard for me. But I um I loved it and then uh ever since I've been playing. So it's very fun. That's fantastic. And Eric, maybe you would uh, just let everyone in our listening uh, family kind of know how your family's been assembled. Right. So my wife and I weren't able to have our own children initially, and that was really hard at first. And then we finally said, all right, Lord, this is what you have for us. And so we'll just pour all our parental affection into other people's kids when they come to college. So we both ended up teaching at Biola University and loving that and having students live with us and go on mission trips and became very thankful for the life we had. But we took a mission trip to India in 2005 and saw orphan kids everywhere and came back brokenhearted for orphans and especially older girls. And so we began the process and ended up adopting our first daughter, Caroline, when she was seven, and then Paige when she was eight, a year and a half later, from the same orphanage in Taiwan. And then we adopted our son, Isaac, uh, our son, Sam, from the same orphanage as well. He had already been adopted and the do- adoption got terminated. So they asked us to take Sammy boy and and we did. And, and that's just been amazing. And then a year and a half after that, we we went to China to pick up Isaac, who Isaac was had amniotic banding syndrome, where uh, in utero um, you you just lose some of your some of your limbs, and so he ended up losing some fingers and a, and a foot, and has post polio syndrome in his left leg. So he's got a lot of physical challenges, but man, he is an incredible young man who we just treasure. Yeah, I'm I'm super impressed, and so Eric. Um... You 
I mean, it's an incredible story that you, you decided we're going we're gonna to start adopting. And, and then four, four children later, you've got a fairly busy, big household. Yeah, it was it was quite a thing. I say to Don all the time, this is the hardest thing we've ever done and by far the best thing we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful as our church ended up really catching a vision for this over the years. And we, we've developed a real adoption and foster care culture where it's just part of the life of our church. So we've been so wonderfully supported by Grace Evie Free and La Mirada and the, and the folks there who who have caught a vision for for this amazing calling to live out the adoption we have as God's children in real life and and show the love that he showed us when he took us from our orphan state and and brought us into his family and so it's been a display of the gospel in beautiful ways and a working out of the gospel in beautiful ways it's not just a command in the bible to look after orphans and widows in their distress but it, it's a rehearsal of the gospel as well. That has just been a beautiful thing to see. Mm-hmm. There, there's a little girl in our church. It's so common in our church that kids get adopted and are in foster care that there was this little girl in our church who asked her parents, she's a biological kid. And she said, Hey, when am I going to get to be adopted? Like she was really missing <laughs> out. <laughs> something <pretty> special. <laughs> like someone would adopt her and she'd get to go to a different family. Well, no, she wanted her parents to adopt her. She didn't know why she didn't get that oh, special. Oh, the other oh. the church got, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So, um, Isaac, tell me more about uh, tennis in a wheelchair. What is that like? Yeah, um, so I play tournaments, and it's it's very fun. Um, I try to practice every day, um, and I move around with – I have a racket in my – right hand and I move around with by steering it and and yeah so you will get on the courts almost every day practice every day yeah I try to yeah, yeah good for you and when then I'm not busy. and yeah, then when I'm not busy I yeah. yeah I think your dad mentioned that there, you have an opportunity to do uh post high school uh competitive tennis at a junior college or a college yes i think yeah that's that's a possibility he's sweet he's he's ranked really high right now in the country so so much depends on what he ends up deciding to do after high school which will be a year from now so we'll see how that goes but but he he just played in a tournament where there were not enough juniors to play in the doubles tournament. So he played against a couple of adults who were pretty good, but mm-hmm. Isaac, Isaac's really good. And he, he ended up, he and his partner won the first set six zero, And at the break, one of the guys said to the, 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 um, the umpire, I want that kid tested for drugs right now. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Isaac. So well, Isaac, did you watch uh, the finals of Wimbledon yesterday? No, I did not. Oh, well, you, you missed a marathon match. Um, but um, it is, uh, it's an amazing story. And I, I love that you have uh, brothers. Uh, you, have, you have one brother or, or three sisters? I have one brother and two sisters. One brother and two sisters. And tell me what family life is like. Because, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of your, of your dad. And he's one of my favorite people of all time. And I don't know your mo- your mom, but I 
but I do know him a little bit, and I'm just imagining that you guys have uh, a pretty interesting life. Yeah, uh, my mom loves to hike and loves to paint and plays, loves to do sports. My brother loves to lift, and right now he's not doing a sport, but he loves to lift. And my sister loves to ice skate, and um, and she loves kids a lot. So, mm-hmm. and my sister Paige, she uh, played water polo, and yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. All right, let me take just a short break. I've got a bunch more questions. We're gonna uh, take a break, but be right back. Dr. Eric Tonis is my guest, and his son Isaac, who is a competitive wheelchair tennis player, and uh, really incredible attitude and optimism. And I want some of what he's got. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LeBurge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Welcome back to the show. I am delighted to have... Isaac Tonis on, and his dad, Dr. Eric Tonis, who you probably know is a regular guest here on the show. I so appreciate them both. Kind of almost like it's uh, bring your son to work day, uh, because I had David Miles and his son on previously, and I'm just so glad to, to meet Isaac, because um, I'm a tennis player myself, and Ryan, who's producing, is a tennis player, so we love tennis stories. And uh, uh, Isaac, when you, uh, how old were you when you started uh, playing tennis? Uh, I'd say around when I was nine or 10. Okay. Um, and you, and you just sort of gravitated and you thought, I like this. This is fun. Yeah. And also my mom, my mom used to play tennis and so she got me into it and I loved it. And uh, then I started wanting to play. Yeah. What, what do you consider to be your best shot? What's your, what's your, what's your, your shot that you go, this is my sweet spot. This is what I love. Is it a forehand or backhand or what do you, what's your favorite? Uh, I love to hit forehand, uh, but one day I want to learn how to do slices. So nice. But I would love to do forehand and cause that's my, my right hand is, is really strong so I can hit really hard. Uh huh. So we gotta, we and gotta, we gotta get you that, that slice down. You're gonna, you're gonna love this slice. Yes, yes, I do want to learn that. Yeah, like when I when I practice and I practice hitting, I go too hard, and my coach says, "You gotta take it easy, don't hit too hard." And I'm like, sometimes mad because I want to hit hard. Yeah, that's that's everyone's tendency. We always want to hit it, hit it hard, and the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell me what your 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 social life is like when you. you know, did you just graduate from high school? How old are you? I am 17. You're 17. Uh, yes, I'm still in school. It's called Stone Homeschool Academy. And I right now I'm just in working right now. Okay. So, so uh, he'll graduate next year. Yes. You graduate next year. So yes. do you have a do you have a nice uh, group of friends that you hang with and uh what is your what is your your summer like besides working? 
Well, what do you do for fun besides work and tennis? Uh, I love to, I love to um, make stuff, and I, I'm I love to read books. So nice. I love to do, and I, I also love to ride my scooter. Sweet. And do you know? Are you aware that your dad writes books? Yes, I do. I'm actually reading his one of his books. Yeah, Eric. What, what book is he reading? Life's biggest questions. Nice. Nice. I like that. So do you, Isaac, do you feel times when you, do you ever wonder if how life is the way it is for you? Do you ever think, do you feel, you feel sorry for yourself at times or not really ever? Or what is that? That's an awkward question to ask, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah. I ask the same question for myself. Okay. Um, when I look at people, I'm sometimes jealous because I want like, when I see people ride their bikes, I want to learn how to ride a bike. Or when I see people learn how to swim, I want to learn how to learn how to swim well. Um, and yeah, there's like a couple of things I want to learn how to do that I can't do because of my disability. But I mean, I, when I, but then I think of it like, oh, wow, this is cool that God created me like this. And I can't be jealous because this is what he did for me and I need to be great, grateful for it. Yeah. You know, the day that your dad sent me that email accidentally and it came and I saw you <clears throat> on the tennis court with a big smile on your face. I was in kind of a low spot that morning. I, w- I woke up and I was kind of in a tough place and I saw your picture of you s- genuinely smiling with the biggest smile on your face. And I thought, boy, I am inspired. I'm just inspired. And I thought whatever problems I have, I need to reframe because I bet he's not sitting around feeling sorry for himself. Hmm. And I I think I was feeling a little sorry for myself that morning. So it was quite inspirational. Thank you. Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about your siblings. I I know you've got a brother and two sisters and and, uh, does you've got, Three from India, and then you, uh, right? Two from uh, three from Taiwan, Sam, from- and two sisters. Yeah, one from China. Isaac's from China. The his sisters and brother are both from are from Taiwan. So we have some geopolitical conflict in our family. <laughs> well, uh, what about restaurant selection? How how tough is that? No, we we love living in Southern California. Legit. Asian food of any kind in particular you want. There are Taiwanese restaurants, not just Chinese restaurants. And they, there's a fun sibling rivalry with the Taiwan, Chinese, the China thing going on. <laughs> yeah. They give each other a hard time. Uh-huh. And the age ranges again. Uh, tell me the, the age ranges. Isaac, are you the second or the oldest? I am the youngest. You're the youngest. Okay. Yes, I'm having I'm, I'm having an off day as an interviewer. I, I'm making more mistakes today than I have collectively in the last month. So you're the youngest, okay? Good job. Yeah, and um, in a blended family like that, how does everybody get along? They get along well. Yeah, I I gotta be the gotta be a good kid to responsibilities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And do you? What kind of music do you like? Oh, I love rap. I absolutely love rap and I love NF and yeah, I just love rap. Yeah. Have you ever written a rap song or tried rapping yourself? 
No, but I love to sing. I don't really. I I do love to sing, but I don't. I just sing random words. <laughs> he, he, just, he just performed in the talent show here at Hume Lake when he was at high school camp last week, and it was beautiful. Nice. What um, song did you sing? I I sang "Christ is My Firm Foundation," and that sounds amazing. I love it. I love it. So, what what, what do you envision uh, career wise? Have you started to think about that, or or are we not? getting there yet and we're not there yet yeah uh when i grow up i want to learn how to fix things and like learn how to build things like build uh houses with tools because i love using uh things with my hands mm-hmm. and wow. you're you have one hand that's missing a couple fingers is that right i have two i have five missing fingers you have five total missing fingers five okay and and you have no no fears about Grabbing onto any tool of any kind, huh? No. I, some people are very amazed how I grab things. Well, I, I bet. I, I'd, I'd love to see it. And the you're a right-handed tennis player, and so your right hand is missing uh, a finger or two? Yeah. Yeah, he's missing fingers on both hands. I know, but... So, but yeah, on, it's on, amazing. Yeah, on the right hand, how many are missing on the right hand? Oh, there yeah, it's only two. Okay. I was just trying to I was trying to imagine wrapping two your hand around the tennis racket the and and how you would be uh holding it and controlling it just cuz yeah. Well, it's not only wrapping Yeah, he not only wraps his hand around the tennis racket, but he holds on to the racket and spins his wheels with that right hand at the same time and books around the court. It's oh, just my. amazing in a dime and, and and then get back in position after the shot it's just amazing yeah i you know i've never i've never seen it so i i i would love to see it so yeah thank you uh so much i i love i love hearing stories of such incredible inspiration and i know there's a, a lot of people that um have got stories and they when they can share them with others, it makes a big, big difference. And you're doing that today, not only for me, Isaac, but I know for a lot of people listening. Um, I wish I could show everyone your picture, but I can't. <laughs> but I could if I would. So, thank you so much for um, for spending time and being on the show. I think I'm going to be able to chat with your dad for a little bit later after uh, we take a break. Does that sound right, Eric? Yeah, for sure. Is that the plan anyway? Yeah, it's the plan. Awesome. So we will do that. Uh, Dr. Eric Tonis and his son Isaac have been my guests so far. Isaac, thank you so much for being on the show. It's thank been you. so nice to meet you. And, congr- you. and congratulations on your success on the tennis court and, and blessings to you going forward. Thanks. You bet. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with Dr. Eric Tonis in just a minute. If you are new to Faith Radio, you can check us out at myfaithradio.com. We'd love to send you a welcome packet get to know us a little bit better. We're just so glad you're listening. Be right back.
We're back, but not quite yet with our guest, Dr. Eric Tonis. Something happened, Ryan. I'm not sure what happened. I think he kind of went away. We dropped we dropped our Zoom call with him. And now Stand by. We can't get him, get him back, <laughs> but I, I believe we will. Uh, but really, the story of his, his family and him adopting four children uh, is really, really quite remarkable. And he's... Um, Professor at Biola University, a chair of the de- of the theology department, and one of my favorite guests. And when I saw his story of his son Isaac playing wheelchair tennis, I was absolutely fascinated. And I'm being a tennis player myself. I am I'm just amazed at the way in which uh, these wheelchair athletes play and compete, and it's so inspiring. And um, so, anyway, if you've got a, a story that you have been inspired by, you know how I'm feeling today because um, it's one of those stories of um, of overcoming adversity and saying, I don't care what people say I can't or can do, I'm going to just do it. And those are some of my favorite, favorite stories. And some prayer requests came in, so I did mention that in the last hour, if you had a prayer request, and I appreciate uh, some of the prayer requests that have come in. Some of them we were able to pray for on the air, and others I will pray tonight myself when I uh, spend time with the Lord. Uh, there was a particular prayer re- request that came in about a, a marriage that's struggling and uh, some anger and some other issues. And uh, as life is ticking away, we're looking for some uh, resolution and some and some love and trying to hold it together. And uh, that may be uh, what many people are dealing with right now. If you're in a situation where you are in need of some prayer support because your relationship is struggling, you can always text your prayer request over to uh, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. I think we got Eric back on the line. Eric, thanks for uh, coming back. Yeah, sorry <laughs> about that, guys. My reception up here in the mountains is pretty bad. It's yeah. all my bad. So Yeah. Uh, we can go landline if you want, but we'll see how this works, too. Yeah, this this is fine for now. Uh, okay. what, what a delight. Um, again, I'm inspired by your family. I'm, I'm inspired that you and your wife adopted four children. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a lot of bravery. And when you adopted Isaac, was he already uh, a, a young man with disabilities? Yeah, he was eight years old when we adopted him. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we knew his situation and... That like all our kids, you know, our kids were all older, eight, seven, six, and and eight. So they had all lived quite a bit of life before we we adopted them. So we knew there was some some challenges along the way, but we knew entirely God would provide in the ways we needed Him to. So we were willing to take it on. Yeah, and if they if they show up in your household at age seven or eight, there there is some blueprint already laid down, isn't there? There is, there really is. And I don't know, kids are considered special needs after just uh, two years old, because typically there's some emotional trauma that you're going to be dealing with along the way. So, you know, it's interesting. Isaac's got some significant um, physical and developmental disabilities, but God has blessed him with an amazing personality. He was pretty shy just now, but he's usually the life of the party. (laughs) 
Yeah. And he's never met a, he's never met a stranger. He just loves people and people love working. He works in the kitchen here at Hume Lake where where we are right now full time this summer and you know he's he's got a tough time doing some things that are part of his job but consistently people tell me how much they love working with him and what a delight it is for him to be grateful like he is and it, again a perspective check for people constantly when they're tempted to whine about something going on in their life he he sort of helps them put that in check mhm i love the fact he's reading your book, Life's Biggest Questions, what the Bible yeah, says yeah. about the things that matter most. And I, I love that book. I read it myself. Maybe we can talk a little bit about it just because uh, he brought it up. Um, one of the questions I love is, how well can you know God? Yeah, that that's a great question. Actually, I'm speaking at a creative arts conference doing a theology of of art and creativity in the fall. And I just decided last week, what I'm going to talk about is really the answer to that question in that I think good art, but knowing God are both based in a deep appreciation for his incomprehensibility that there's, we'll never know everything there is to know about God. There's, we won't even every know everything there is to know about one thing about God because he's infinite and we're finite and, and we have limited understanding of everything in, and especially of an infinite God who has no limitations of any kind and any quality he possesses. So, so to truly appreciate his incomprehensibility and be filled with childlike wonder is at the very heart of the Christian life, where we we never stop being in awe of who he is. But mm-hmm. that just but at the same time, we need to embrace the knowability of God. So his ways are higher than our ways, and he's beyond us. But He's given us everything we need for life and godliness in the knowledge of Christ that we find in his word. And so it's not just mystery and wonder, it's anchored in truth. And we do have the ability to know, and God created us to know him. And he says, life is found in knowing God. So he's knowable and he's incomprehensible at the same time. And so a quest to know God needs to have that balance between the awe, the mystery, the childlike wonder, the the wonder of an incomprehensible God. And at the same time, to be able to say, yeah, I know things about God that are absolutely true. I'll never know them absolutely, but I know they're absolutely true and I'll bet my life on them. And so that's the tension, really. Some of us tend to the knowability side of things, probably an engineering major, or a philosophy major tends toward that side, but an art major or a literature major appreciates the un, untied up loose ends of knowing someone or something. But but we, we need to realize where we tend to go on that balance and try to strike that one between incomprehensibility and knowability. Mm-hmm. Dr. Eric Tonis is my guest. Eric, are you uh, living and working at a summer camp all summer? Well, I'm doing a lot of preaching in the summer. Okay. I'll leave for Hume, New England, uh, and preach the gospel there to high school kids. I've been doing that here at Hume Lake. I did it at Forest Home Christian Camp uh, a few weeks ago. And so a lot of preaching, but when we're not there, we're we're planting here at Hume. Yeah. And then what, what age are you speaking to? Adults through high school. Okay. So, so next week I'll be preaching to high school kids in Massachusetts. And, and a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching to high school kids here in California. Uh-huh. And then what are you, are, are you teaching this week as well? 
no, I have this week off. I'm trying to get some writing done, and then I'm I'm going to head to New England. But it's a great series we're doing on Daniel, and it's the the theme is living as resilient Christians in an increasingly hostile culture. So it's been a wonderful message and kids standing to trust Christ. It's just been amazing to see how God's been working in their lives. You hear so many negative things about the younger generation these days, but God's working. And I meet so many who really want lives that matter. Mm -hmm. Eric, do you find that uh, kids today are trying to understand the Bible, or they're looking at it through the the lens of culture. When we should really be looking at culture through the lens of Scripture. Yeah, boy, Bill, I don't, I couldn't put it any better than that. I think it's not just kids. I think it's in general. There's this, this crazy idea that we determine truth and reality for ourselves, and we're not dependent on our Creator to know that. You know, all of human history, there was a sense of realities out there. You need to conform to it or try to manipulated through magic and now technology but but generally there was this idea that reality's out there and we need to conform to it and that's what wisdom was considered to be and now there's actually this idea that the individual has an autonomous capacity to determine reality for himself and whatever that means even if it defies biology or physics it's it's true because i believe it's true and it's just it's sort of the problem of human sin at its core run amok. Mm-hmm. When you are presenting to kids at like a summer camp, what strategy do you do you come at them with when it comes to presenting the gospel with all the things that they have in their head today? Yeah, well, I I, I right off the bat try to say, look, I'm, I'm not going to take things lower than you need me to. I want to challenge you when I preach to you. And I'm not going to tailor the story of God's redemptive work uh, for what you want it to be. I'm going to shoot straight with you the way God does in the Bible. And I want to represent him well in his word. And so I I think they appreciate that. I I think if they feel like I'm trying to market to them Mm -hmm. and treat them as consumers, they don't respect that. And even if they don't agree with what I'm preaching, I want them to know the Bible's my source and I'm I'm shooting straight with them about what it says from God's word. And they really respect that. And I I don't I don't try to tell stories all the time and tell jokes all the time and be a goofball because mm-hmm. I, I want them to know this is the most important thing they'll ever think about in their life. They have plenty of fun when they come to camps, but but I want them to know that this is the most important thing they'll ever consider in their lives. You know, Spurgeon said we need to preach as dying men to dying men. So I want them to know that this is serious and the decisions they make at this point in their lives will determine the rest of their lives usually. And so, so I, I, I don't pull punches. I don't try to be a comedian or a game show host and they, they really respect it. I'm always wonderfully blessed with how locked in they are and responsive. They are when, when I'm, I'm teaching them in a way where they know I have a fatherly love for them and concern that comes through hopefully. And they, they, re- they respond to that. It's just beautiful. I, I so appreciate that because if there was going to be someone who was going to add some uh, comedic flavor, it would be a guy like you because you're naturally funny. And yet you still just sort of bring the goods. And do you always try to steer them into a place of understanding the, son, gift, the gift of salvation and it's something to receive? 
Yeah. My, you know, my son went to another camp one time and he came back and he said, dad, our speaker is way funnier than you are. <laughs> and, and I said, I said to him, Oh, Sam, I could do funny if I wanted to. And it, you know, it comes out once in a while. It leaks out now and then, but, but I just, I don't want that to be the shtick. Yeah. Know? Right. I, I want to shoot straight with them and you know, humor's fine. Uh, but you can overdo it with kids thinking that's all they can consume and entertainment. And so, so I want to get them in the word and I, I want them to, to develop a little bit of patience for, for what it is. What's wild is when they come from all kinds of church cultures. So you're, you're not sure what they're used to. Yeah. When I was in high school, I think starting in like 10th grade, I went to a Bible study and it was in the, usually in the basement of a kid who had the biggest house because there was 50 or 60 kids that would show up. And the teacher was a guy and he would walk in and he would, he'd plop down and he'd say, Hey, welcome everyone. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter seven. And that was it. There was no singing. There was no game playing. There was no nothing. And we were just sponges. Couldn't get enough of it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Let me take a little break. Dr. Eric Tonis is my guest. We are chatting a little bit about life's biggest questions. He wrote a book called That and What the Bible Says About the Things That Matter Most. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. back with Dr. Eric Tonis. We're talking today about some of life's biggest questions. So, Eric, when you want to determine what is true and what is real, how do you determine what uh, voices we can consider trustworthy? Oh, boy, that's a great question. I mean, what, what makes that a bit complex is that God is always revealing himself through what we call general revelation. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. You just look at creation and you see powerful truths about God that actually Romans one says makes us without excuse for not responding to him appropriately. And so, so general revelation is all around us all the time and it's within us as well. God creates us in his image. And so we have a, a sense of morality. We have a sense of the need to worship, a sense of the need for our guilt and sin to be dealt with. I mean, human beings are what's been called incurably religious. And so, mm-hmm. so no matter who someone is or where they are, they have a powerful revelation of God and what we call general revelation. The problem is the Bible says we suppress that truth and unrighteousness. We twist it, we distort it, we pervert it, we make it for our own ends. And so we can't trust even our perception of general revelation. We need to go to God's word that the spirit inspires and depend on the spirit to help us understand what its life-changing message is. And so so to get our moorings, to even be able to see what we call general revelation properly needs to be grounded in God's clearly authoritatively revealed word that gives us our understanding of who he is, who we are, what a meaningful life is, how our sin gets handled, 
by him and and just get everything in the right perspective, how it's all going to end, all these big questions that get answered in his word that give our lives the framework for everything we do. Mm -hmm. Eric, do you think it's fairly natural for us to ask the big questions in life, yet a lot of the times we kick that can down the road because we we want answers, but we're too afraid to ask. Oh, Bill, that's so well put. I, I One of my greatest frustrations in life and challenges in life is to, to do what we're doing right now, is to get beyond the surface, to get beyond the shallow, where we so naturally live, to things that are important, things that really matter, to ask questions about life. It doesn't mean we don't laugh and have levity and right. enjoy recreation and, and and do those things. But even those things, what, why do we why do we play? Why do we recreate? How should a Christian look at those things? How should we view food and sex and entertainment and and all the gifts God gives us? We need to ask those questions. Well, how does God view this? What what is his intention for these things? When am I doing this in a way that honors him? And when am I not? When when is this being done in the flesh? And when is it being done in the spirit? Those sorts of questions are so important. It's so much easier to float along the surface like scuba divers instead of diving deeply and doing the hard work of thinking well, but also challenging one another to go beyond the surface. Christians, we need to be more than a half a question deep in the things we believe. I talk to people all the time and they'll say all this stuff about, oh, I believe God is an energy and God is a source and I believe in karma. And then I'll say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? And they don't know. They just throw <laughs> lots of words out. Yeah. And I'll say, and where are you getting that? And sometimes I know where they're getting it. It's They're getting it from Hinduism or they're getting it from Oprah Winfrey or, or whomever. And they don't even know where they got that. It was probably from a 10th grade English teacher who was really cool that made a big impression on him, but they don't even remember that that's where they got this worldview they're operating out of. And so, so that, that point you make of, yeah, let's, let's not live in the shallows. Let's be deep people who think deeply and ask the kinds of questions you ask all the time on your show. Well, I'm as much as I enjoy uh, levity, which I do um, really the way I seem to operate is who are you and what makes you tick? There you go. That, those, was, th- those are interesting to me because yeah. I don't care a lot. And then people do want to talk about things that matter in life. And what I love about the show is I think we create a, a platform in which we can have adult, respectful conversation about things that matter. That's right. Yeah. And, and those two questions, you know, who are you and what, what makes you tick? What are you about? that's about as fundamental as life's questions get, but it's amazing how seldom people actually just even think about those questions. Oh, they do it when they're alone in bed, stared at the ceiling and they there's, there's, they're finally off social media, but usually we'll get so distracted and into the routine of our daily schedules that we won't think about those life altering questions. Mm-hmm. Another guest of mine said something that has really stuck with me. And the question he asked is, who has the privileged place of authority in your life? Oh, that's just beautiful. And yeah. Who, who do you answer to? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And most people, you know, want to have God on their resume, but that's about it. Right. But, you know, Bill, the reason you're so good at what you do and why it's so valuable is because it's coming from a very natural, I would say, loving curiosity about people who are made in God's image. And, it is stunning to me how seldom that is a trait you see in people. 
I have a friend of mine loves to joke about his own self-centeredness. He, he'll say, well, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that is how we can so easily naturally be. And I can fall into that too, just being self-absorbed. But when you get outside of yourself is when you actually start to find meaning in life. And people actually start to find you interesting when you're interested in them. Mm-hmm. Isn't it uh, stunning, though, the, the amount of meaningless conversation that people have? I mean, if you ever grab a meal at a restaurant by yourself and you happen to overhear what they're saying at the tables next to you, you go, does anybody say anything that's super meaningful? <laughs> I'm, you know, know, very seldom do you sit next to two people that are having a really deep conversation, not that I'm eavesdropping on them, but, um, you know, just when you're in line at, um, at a coffee shop or something, or you're, you're listening to people having conversation and you, you think that they, we, we don't deal enough with what is really important in life and let's cut through it and find out how you really feel about that. You know, Pascal's got that great line about we're all making a high stakes life commitment to a particular faith view and we're betting our eternal destiny on it. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Yeah. I had my humanities professor, Dr. Lothar Kahn in college. He was amazing. He looked like Einstein, crazy hair, and he was just a wonderful, brilliant man. But he said what he missed most about Europe was people sitting around in coffee shops and bakeries arguing with each other about politics and life and things that really matter. He said he came to the United States and he heard people say it's impolite to talk about religion and politics in, in polite company. And he just said, that's that's a source of great problems. You, you need to hash these things out and talk about things that matter. With Well, I would say with the Bible and the newspaper in front of you, diving into things with people who don't share your perspective too is so important as well. Mm -hmm. That's why sports was so important in my life because I met people from all walks of life and we had a common goal and we became close, even though we shared a very different worldview at times, but it was so good and, and bonding. Mm -hmm. Eric, um, how long do you think it takes someone to say, I, I think I'm, I have some biblical literacy. How much study and work do you think it takes? Because, I mean, studying scripture is not easy. No, no. And I think that's that point is incredibly important to go into it saying this is work. It's, it yeah. takes work, not just some mystical experience that I open myself up to. I, I need to figure out what these words mean. And I need to understand first century or third century BC culture. And, <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, the beauty of the Bible is also one of the challenges of it. It's God personally revealing himself to real people, real time, in real space and places, which means you need to take some time to understand these places and these times and these people. We're all fundamentally the same, but they're very different in other ways. And so it's a historical revelation of God, which means it's, it's some work to get back in the sandals of the people to whom he was writing those words initially. And then to, tra to translate it, not transform it, but translate it in our culture becomes the challenge. So it's work, just what you said, it takes some work. But but I, I'm amazed at how eager and enthusiastic and fruitful new Christians are with very limited Bible knowledge. They're willing to do what God says in his word very often when they're new believers and their first love is fresh. And they're willing to bring that to other people. So many of the most zealous evangelists and ministers I know are new Christians. Who, who have very little knowledge, but are putting it to work. I think that's the most important thing. But then to commit ourselves to being men and women of the word 
who it becomes a friend. It's, it's a relationship with God through his word that you devote yourself to. So over time, it, it becomes more and more like a friend to you and the people in it and the audiences to whom he's writing become like people you know. It's not going to be a surprise to meet Joseph and Abraham and Paul and the, the woman at the well when we get to heaven. Yeah, I can't wait to to learn the the name of the thief on the cross because all we ever referred to him as the thief on the cross. You know, maybe we'll, yeah, well, we'll get up I there and we, find I out. Don't know if we, have we ever talked about the nameless heroes in the Bible? Huh? I'm just so intrigued by the one leper. We don't know his name. <laughs> the, the, the thief on the cross. We don't know his name. The yeah. woman who gave everything she had in the offering. We don't know her name. Yeah. Uh, all these amazing people show up yeah. throughout the Bible, and we don't hear from them again. The rich young ruler. There's a whole bunch of them. We yeah. should talk about that sometime. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. The nameless heroes. Yeah. Where, um, Eric, thank you again. Um, I know that ha- having Isaac on was uh, just so generous of him to take time to, to be with us, and um, I just loved it. Um, so thank you very much for putting all that together and making it happen. Well, let me tell you, people like you and and so many others who genuinely love our kids and and our family and and Isaac and and are willing to get past, you know, superficial things, the things that really matter are a treasure to us. Mm. And so I'm grateful for you and your willingness to to even have him on. Thanks, brother. Well, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week. And I'll look forward to the next time we get a chance to be on, uh, on air together. All right, my man. All right, thank thanks you. a lot. Dr. Eric Thomas has been my guest. That's our show for the day. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. And so appreciate if you missed any of today's show, you can always head to the, the website. It's myfaithradio.com. Check out the podcast. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.